Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. When I was in the military, uh, we were warned never to leave a tire that was inflating unattended. Uh, but someone didn't heed that warning one day, and we heard a loud pow, and the tire had exploded. Luckily, no one was hurt. Uh, God's Word warns us, <laughs> uh, and uh, we're wise to heed the warning. Uh, God's Word is also a blessing to us, and maybe you can think of uh, a Christmas gift or something that was a blessing to you. Maybe it was the gift of friendship. But God's Word is a great blessing to us. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the blessings of God's Word and how His Word ministers to us. And, and there's so many things that God gives us in His Word that we need. Uh, Paul is talking to some people about uh, how salvation takes place. And it's not by the law. There's some false teachers teaching that you have to keep the law in order to be saved. And Paul says, no, it's by grace. It's through the blood of Jesus. It's by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, and so he is teaching them about this salvation by grace, uh, and he's, he's reminding them of their experience and how they received salvation by faith. He's also uh, directing them to the Old Testament scriptures that look forward to this very thing, salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But I want to look a little bit more broadly at this chapter to look at uh, just how God's Word is used and how it becomes a blessing to us. And so we need to hear and trust in God's Word, the blessings of God's Word. So let's look at uh, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has hypnotized you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? Did you suffer so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, then understand that those who have faith are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the good news ahead of time to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. Now it is clear that no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles by Christ Jesus so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. 
Brothers, I'm using a human illustration. No one sets aside or makes addition even to a human covenant that has been ratified. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and the seeds, as though referring to many, but referring to one, and to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, the law which came 430 years later does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel the promise. For if the inheritance is from the law, it is no longer from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. Why then was the law given? It was added because of transgression until the seed to whom the promise was made would come. The law was put into effect through angels by the means of a mediator. Uh, now, a mediator is not just for one per, uh, is not for just one person, but God is one. Is the law therefore contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly be by the law. But the Scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian unto Christ, or schoolmaster leading to Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ like a garment, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. The blessings of God's word. How does God's word bring blessing to our lives? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that it reveals his good news or his gospel. Uh, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How would we know how to have salvation were it not for God's blessing in his word that he's given to us. Even from the time of Genesis 3.15, he told the woman, the, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent, the devil. Uh, God gave a prediction that there would come this seed, this descendant, who would come. And he would be the one who would reverse the effects of the curse and the fall that happened in the Garden of Eden. Uh, when Later on, when Abraham lived, God promised Abraham, through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Uh, where is that scripture found? And uh, what does he talk about that when he says, uh, all the nations will be blessed through you, and I will surely multiply you, and, and all nations will be blessed through you? It comes in Genesis 22. What's Genesis 22 talk about? Well, it talks about Isaac and Abraham going up to the mountain where God had said, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son on this altar here on this mountain. And Isaac was the son of the promise. And so, but Abraham obeyed, I'm sure, with a heavy heart. Uh, he, he walked up the mountain, and, and they're, they're talking. And, and Isaac says to Abraham, where's the lamb? We've offered a lot of sacrifices before. Where's the lamb? I know that whenever we offer a sacrifice, we take a lamb along with us. And Abraham says something in the Hebrew that's pretty interesting. He says, God 
will provide for himself a lamb. Now, you can, you can translate that different ways. You can, some, some translate it, God will see to it, the lamb for the burnt offering for sacrifice. Um, or you can, you can translate it this way, God will see him, the lamb, for the burnt offering of sacrifice. What was God doing there as Isaac was offered up on the altar He was looking forward to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. He was seeing him from afar. And through what Isaac and Abraham were doing, they became a picture of what Jesus later would come to do. So that when he says, through your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed, he's just giving them a picture of what that seed will look like. And it's Jesus Christ, the substitute. Because what happened when they went up there was Abraham lifted the knife to kill his son, and God said, stop. So you have a picture of somebody who is as good as dead being raised back to life, right? So somewhat of a picture. But then you also have a picture of a substitution. Because God says to him, look there in the thicket. Here's a ram that you can offer this ram uh, in place of Isaac. So he takes the ram and he puts it up on the altar and Isaac's going, Whew. boy, that was close, you know. And, uh, and they offer the ram on the altar. And a picture is given of the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. It's the gospel in picture form. And so uh, the, the, the word of God blesses us. Did you know that from Genesis To Revelation, it all looks to Jesus. To the cross where he paid the price for sin. To the empty tomb where he arose. Uh, I love the scripture in Revelation where it says they were looking for somebody to open the scroll. And and, uh, I wept and wept for no one was found worthy to open the scroll. And then he said to me, look, there is the lamb, the one who was slain. And is alive again. He is worthy to open the seals of the scroll. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God's word blesses us by revealing God's good news. Where would we be without Jesus Christ? Where would we be without the grace that he applies to our lives to forgive us for sin? Where would we be without his grace that he gives us to live life? The strength that he gives us to carry on. Um, Paul talks about uh, the fact that they were cast down but not destroyed. Uh, He he says we were were in despair, uh, but, but God lifted us up. He brought us up out of the pit. He's the one who sustains us. All of that comes about because... Of what Jesus did in the good news of the gospel. So God's word blesses us because it reveals his good news to us. Secondly, it blesses us because it warns the unbelievers. Warns the unbelievers. And guess what? All of us used to be one. So it's a blessing to us because God's word warns us. Look at what he says in verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse because it is written, everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law is cursed. 
a couple of different Old Testament scriptures in, in Deuteronomy that talk about this. They were required to do all that was written in the book, but also they were cursed if they didn't. So the law was about what they did. Uh, salvation is about what we receive, right? I didn't earn it. I'm not worthy of it. I received God's grace. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life that I could not live myself in my place. He died the death that I deserved in my place, and he rose again. And so I received that by faith. But under the old covenant, the covenant that God had with Israel, they had to do the works of the law in order to receive God's blessing. And if they failed to do the works of the law, they found they were under God's curse. God had promised to curse them if they didn't fulfill the works of the law. Guess what? None of them ever perfectly fulfilled it. All of them, from Genesis to Malachi, all of them sinned. And they've kept sinning ever since. Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. Only Jesus, the God-man, who wasn't uh, descendant of Adam through, through Joseph, uh, he was the only exception. Everyone has sinned. So, what is the conclusion? If we've not fulfilled the works of the law, we're under God's curse. So somebody who wants to be saved by keeping the commandments of the Old Testament law is in a hopeless position because unless they're absolutely perfect, and no one is, they're under God's curse. So it warns the unbeliever. Uh, Praise God that that's not the whole story. Look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, everyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. That's, that's from Deuteronomy. Everyone who's, who's hanged on a tree is cursed. Uh, it's kind of real simple and succinct in Deuteronomy. The scholar kind of scratched their heads about it. But hey, God put it there because he knew that someday his son would come and die on a Roman cross. He would be hung on a tree. And he would take our curse for us and he would become the perfect picture of the substitutionary work of salvation that he was accomplishing. So, in warning the unbelievers, he also he, he, he points them to Christ. So, God's word blesses us by revealing his good news, by warning the unbelievers. Thirdly, by declaring God's promises. Look at verse 17. And I say this, the law which came 430 years later does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God and cancel the promise. What's he talking about here? God made Abraham a promise. Not only through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed, but but God made him several different promises. You you can look in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 and 22. and I mean, uh, some of them are repeated over and over again. uh, But God continues to expand those promises. But God made an agreement with Abraham, and he told Abraham, this is what I want you to do, and Abraham trusted God, and Genesis 15 says, God credited to Abraham righteousness because of his trust in God, okay? So God's covenant with Abraham was an unconditional covenant. Abraham didn't do anything to receive it. Um, He trusted God, and God gave him this, this, Abraham was an idolater, right? He was raised in Ur of the Chaldees. He was an idolater. 
Didn't deserve God's, God's goodness, God's grace, but God called him to trust in him. And when Abraham trusted in him, Genesis 15 says God credited it to him as righteousness. So God's covenant and God's forgiveness and God's justification or his making someone righteous, crediting righteousness to their account, came about in Abraham's time and it was a promise of God. So, uh, did you ever try to get extra credit in school? Uh, some of those classes, you especially needed it, right? You know, I, I can remember some classes where I was doing a lot of extra credit. And, uh, you know, sometimes didn't, didn't apply myself like I should when I was growing up. And, but uh, when you do that extra credit, it adds points to your score at the end of the six weeks or whatever it is, whatever uh, grading schedule you're on. Well, imagine this. Imagine that somebody went to class for you. Every class was a 10. And then they made a perfect score on every test so that you had a perfect score in the class. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I'd be thanking God for that. That'd be awesome. That's what Jesus did for us. He did every act of righteousness in a perfect way. And that's, he earned a perfect score in living the righteous moral life that we should have lived but didn't. And he credited it to us. That's what justification is. God credits the righteousness of Christ to us. You may have heard the word imputed, but it means that I get something that I didn't earn myself, Christ earned for me, and credits it to me so that now in God's sight I am acquitted, I am uh, clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's totally by grace. And I can have fellowship with God because I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Um, this, God's promise was that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. Well, how, did, how was Abraham blessed? He was blessed by believing God and God credited it to him for righteousness. In that same way, all the nations of the earth, including the Gentiles, who didn't have the Mosaic covenant made with them, all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. So God's promise didn't go away when 430 years later Moses brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt and God made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, the Mosaic Covenant. God's promise to Abraham didn't change. Okay, Why did God bring the law? Well, God brought the law so that people would know their sin and would know their need for a Savior. And so, um, God's promise saved. So, aren't you grateful for the promises of God? Uh, I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that a great one? Um, I love the one in Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's a great one. You could go through many of the promises of God, and, and what a wonderful thing that we've got a God who cares about us enough to give us some things to hold on to. His word gives us his promises. What about this? Uh, the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive will remain will be caught up with them 
to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a promise of God. What about this? Uh, there shall no, be no more sorrow, no more crying, uh, no more pain, no more death. For the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making everything new. It's a promise of God. Isn't God's word a blessing to us? It's filled with promises all the way through. And when God makes a promise, he never breaks his word. Um, so God's word, b- believe the promises. Be in God's word. Read the promise. Hear the promise. Believe the promise. And be blessed through it. How does God's word bring blessing to our lives? It reveals his good news. It warns the unbelievers. It declares God's promises. And finally, it points us to Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. The law then was our guardian or schoolmaster until Christ. The, the word uh, in the Greek was used of, uh, of someone who was raising kids, and they, were, they basically were a babysitter, but they were given the authority to whip the tar out of them. Okay? So if they got out of line, whap, 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 you know, it was, you know, you didn't mess with the pitagogos. That's what the, what the word is. But he had a, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, you know, but you weren't going to mess with them. Uh, he says the law was kind of like that. It was a, a schoolmaster. It was to train us up to show us our sin and our need for Jesus so that when the time came for Jesus to die, we would be ready to receive his grace. And then he says, if you look over uh, verse 25, but since that faith has come, we are now no longer under a guardian, no more pedagogos, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So it points us to Jesus Christ. God's word from beginning to end points us to Jesus Christ. The first... uh, Sin that was committed by Adam and Eve in the garden. What did God do? He killed an animal, took the skins and covered their nakedness, made made clothes for them. It was a picture of the sacrificial work of Christ that covers our sin. Throughout the scripture, you see it. Uh, You see it in Noah's ark, right? God's wrath, God's judgment comes. There's the ark and Noah and his family enter the ark, and they're protected from the wrath of God. And the ark, another way it could be translated, is coffin. Through the coffin, this this work of death, this ministry of death, they are given life. They're able to survive the wrath of God and have a hope and a future. It points us to Jesus Christ. The tabernacle points us to Jesus Christ. Everything in the scripture points forward to Jesus Christ. He is the central theme. Uh, so Paul said, why would, you, why would you try to live according to the law to be saved when you can't do it anyway, when you can put your trust in Christ and receive the gift of eternal life for free? Uh, you know, the law was meant to point you to Jesus. All Scripture is meant to point you to Jesus. Here's the thing. In Jesus' death, he identifies with our suffering. He he not only pays the price for our sin, but the Bible says he was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. So he understands where we are. And, And in his resurrection, he shows that he has the power to lift us up when we're cast down. He can infuse us with his resurrection power. 
Paul said, you know, we despaired even of life so that we could find out that God is the one who raises the dead. Uh, all of Scripture points us to Jesus. We're pointed to Jesus for salvation. We're pointed to Jesus uh, for the help that we need to live this life. It's all about him. Uh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ? The blessings of God's word. He reveals his good news. He warns the unbelievers. He declares God's promises and he points us to Jesus Christ. Be in God's word. Thank him for it. Praise him for it. Trust in it. Live by it. Let it bring blessing and hope and life to you. Ask God to speak to you as you come to his word. He will bless you. Let's pray. Thank you for the, this uh, message from Galatians 3, God, about the blessings of your word and about the blessings.